Seven minutes past four. Chinese energetic and holistic healing. Let's talk this now as part of our wellness corner. This is SFM Sound Awake. I'm Asanda Peta. Good morning. The Good morning, ancient. Asanda. Oh, hi, Mandy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, Mandy Wu is. Yes, yes, yes. I'm about to introduce you, but it's great. We can do that now. Mandy Wu is psychologist, lecturer and yoga instructor just saying hello to us there. So she's on standby to talk about this. And this ancient holistic tradition of Qigong is used to harness the body's natural energy to achieve peace and calm. The idea is said or the idea is to reset your energy clearing any meridian pathway blockages that might be holding you back to create clarity of mind and awaken one's true nature. Qigong derives from the Chinese tradition's understanding of energy centers called Dantian and is believed to be related to higher states of consciousness. This is according to Healthline and Harper's Bazaar. But let's hear things according to Mandy Wu, who joins us now. Thanks so much for your time, Mandy. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling this Wednesday? Very awake. I'm good. Okay. How are you? Are you really, really very awake? Are you trying to be positive about things? <laughs> no, no so this is not your usual time to wake up. Well, part of the practices is actually to be up this early. Okay. So, yeah, we will chat more about that. All right. So let's talk. What is Qigong? Qigong. So Qigong is actually one of the many practices that are used in, in Chinese medicine. One thing that I want to start off with, um, distinguishing feature between sort of Western and Eastern perspectives of health is that we don't separate the mind and the body. So qi, the word qi is energy, obviously. Gong means work or to manipulate. And everything that you're doing from your movement practices to the way you eat and your lifestyle is manipulation of qi, obviously to um, cultivate it in a way that is beneficial to the mind and the body. So qigong itself is a physical practice where we are sort of working through the meridians without the doctor, if that makes sense. Okay, and, and is it, I'm trying to picture it, what actually happens? Is it that uh, symbol-looking type of uh, a device that gets hit with a drum uh, sort of thing, <laughs> stick? So, so Qigong is when you normally see, I think in, in more Eastern countries, people practice it, in, practice it in groups. So when I lived in Asia, you get the older people doing it because for them, it's a maintenance of energy. With us, when we're much younger, we're sort of, we can have alcohol, we can exercise, we can move, we can still recoup. But we have something called our Jing, which is our genetic inheritance of energy. And when you get to that age, you, you're having to maintain it. And you can't really cultivate it as much anymore. So it's a, it's a slow movement practice where we're aligning breath with movement. And that way, it then affects the nervous system as well. So when we talk about manipulation of qi, it's really about, from the Western perspective, helping to regulate the nervous system to soothe. And that's actually how it brings about um, the benefits of de-stressing. So you'll normally see them sort of float about and sink, and sink like in, in the park. Um, but it's a very slow movement practice. And the idea is you're cultivating that qi through breath and awareness. So it's more about the mind and then the body to follow. Okay. Dantian, then, uh, let's talk about that and how it links to what we're talking about, the Qigong. Okay. So there are many ways of understanding sort of the practice of energy manipulation when you, you know, the subtle practices without a doctor. So there's the physical side where you're interacting with a doctor who's helping you with the meridians using acupuncture or acupressure. And then as a maintenance of that on the side, you are working with your Dantian, which is your energy field, Tian mm-hmm. meaning field, and using these practices to sort of keep yourself 
healthy and well. There are three different levels of this. So when I mention the difference between the East and the West, we look at the subtle energy practices as a unification between the mind and the body. So in Western medicine, we like to focus on the physical. You go to a specific specialist. But in Eastern medicine, we think about calming the nervous system, the mind, and then we do that through the energy practices starting at the lower dantian, which is linked to your kidneys, that is your jing. You get your middle dantian, which is so it, we can understand it as an energy field. Okay. I think that's the simple way to say it. So it's energy centers and energy concentration in a field. So you move from the lower body to the middle body, the middle dantian, um, which is the chi. So you've got your jing, your chi, and then um, your upper dantian, which is your sin. And the idea is that you're moving to higher consciousness. And the interesting thing is Chinese is one of the hardest languages to learn. It is um, pronounced sin, but our Chinese word for God is also sin. So it's almost like you're cultivating your godlike state mm. when you go into these practices. So, I mean, we know that uh, dantian is also used for Reiki. How does it then help us in terms of the path of consciousness? path of consciousness. Amazing, amazing. So we talk about it, you know, we talk about Taoist practices, which actually comes from the word Tao, which means path. So you're on this path where the way you're eating, the way you're moving, and the way you are practicing things like Qigong um, and acupuncture in order to um, move to this higher state of consciousness, separate from just like your physical being. So I think in the West, we tend to separate the mind and the body a lot. And in Taoism, we really believe that we're connected to nature. It's a lot like African cosmology. There's a connection to nature at a physical level, but then there's also a conscious connection to the collective universal consciousness where you cannot separate both. So as you're cultivating your personal chi, it's almost like you're having that extended impact on the environment, on your family, on your community. almost sounds like religion, but yeah, that's what it's about. Cultivating consciousness. Yeah. Does this also link to martial arts and things like the uh, posture and, you know, how you, you know, conduct yourself generally, I guess, in terms of your uh, neatness and behavior in life and etiquette? Yes. So that links to your previous question about Dao, right? So it's how you conduct yourself, the types of people that you associate with. When we talk about martial arts practices, we can look at it as martial arts being a branch of discipline that's practiced in groups. Qigong is something that is done together as a communal fair, but it's more for wellness, whereas martial arts is more of a discipline. So we could liken the martial arts, you know, all the different martial arts we can talk about as if we're looking at different Christian denominations, they would have derived from main Taoist practices depending on which region we're talking about. So, you know, the Koreans will have their own energetic practices, the Chinese will have their own energetic practices. And when we think about Qigong, if people know of this, you know, you also have your very elite monks. The reason why they, they live up in hills, just like a monastery, a Christian monastery, away from physical stresses is because they spend all of their time cultivating their energy to the point where they actually have superpowers. So the Shaolin monks are very um, elite in their practice in the sense that they're super strong, super focused. You know, they're the ones that we see like chopping blocks. Mm-hmm. So that's the martial arts side of it. But ultimately, the physical is meant to lead to the mental and then the spiritual cultivation of higher consciousness. So that's how it all works. Okay. So you did uh, describe to us the different compartments in terms of that energy field of Dantian. So does it happen that sometimes we might need to focus on a specific compartment to that energy field? Or you always have to look at all of them? Well, 
nothing is ever separate when it comes to Dalton, right? But of course, like if you go through something, a particular thing in life. So if we look at Jing, Jing is connected to your kidney. So each meridian line is connected to an organ, which is also connected to emotion. When we think about the idea of stress and trauma, that is linked to your Jing, which is your kidney function. And so if you go through something really stressful, that starts to affect um, your kidney function, or that's what you'll see. We also have something called a Chinese body clock, which is the optimal time at which each organ functions, and you'll see that there's suggested guidelines for what to do in those time slots. So there's a certain time that we believe the liver repairs itself at night. There's a certain mm-hmm. time that the heart cells are repairing themselves. So if you miss, to answer your question like holistically, if you miss that gap that your organ is basically repairing what we believe in Chinese medicine is you don't give it rest. So yes, if there's certain things like your lower jing needs to be cultivated if you live a stressful life. Because with your jing, that's your inherited qi. It's not something that you can increase or decrease. So my Chinese medicine teacher used to talk about it as like the furniture that you have. Mm-hmm. If you only have one couch or two couches, you're not going to burn the furniture because then you don't have furniture left. So that's why with the jing, it's a cult of, it's a maintenance of the energy that you have. So it just depends on your lifestyle, how you're living and what's happened to you. And a doctor is able to help you with that. So when should we be practicing uh, qigong? Because a lot of times, you know, these things that are good for our bodies and even, I guess, spirituality, we see older people taking the initiative and, and taking them seriously. Is this something that, yes, of course we should all be, but in terms of us preparing ourselves to get into the practice of Qigong, and let's not do it when we are old, how do we prepare ourselves? Is there preparation before we start? 100%. So people can look up Qigong practitioners and teachers in their communities. There are definitely um, those options in South Africa. But it starts with subtle things like actually taking care of yourself. There's definitely an alignment between you know Western and Chinese principles of wellness that are very basic. It's like sleeping early. So sleeping and rising with the sun. That's the first thing I always tell my students. Um, that is your circadian rhythm. So literally when you wake up, the first thing that you're supposed to do is actually go for a walk and get some vitamin D, not be on your phone because that interrupts with your brain's chemicals. So that's just one aspect. Like when we talk about Dantian and the maintenance of chi and energy, the movement practice is just one element of it. And you're right, we shouldn't wait until we're that old. And I really do think it's because, okay, by the time you're 16, you're 70, like, oh my gosh, put the brakes on this, like we need to do something quickly, you know. Mm. It should be a lifelong practice of wellness. It starts with how we move, how much we exercise, what we're eating. So we, you know, this can go very in-depth. The belief is that the elements are within our bodies and, our, and around us. And the idea is to live in sync with nature. So a lot of us eat and we live, live these really stressful lives where we're not mindful of what we do. And actually, the elements that we talk about are predominant in our personality and our DNA, the way our physicality is. So some foods are not compatible for us. And the moment we feel dis-ease, or out of balance is when we need to rectify that. So those are things like migraines or like eating something and getting and gas and bloat. And so, you know, it, it starts really with everyday rituals and, and um, habits, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And let's, let's uh, align our habits to what we need, exactly as you say, that energy work. Very important. Mm-hmm. How do we get yeah. in touch with you? I mean, in terms of your social media handles, uh, Mandy? Oh, okay, so I'm under the Yoga Creative, um, and that's because I practice, I instruct yoga, but I specialize in Chinese medicine and Indian medicine. So I teach you in yoga classes where we look at aligning postures with 
specific meridians. So depending on what's happening, I'll sort of pick a organ that I'm focusing on or a theme. A lot of that was working with lungs and kidneys during the pandemic because of stress, but also lungs to increase our immunity, of course. So it's at the Yoga Creative, or people can reach me at Mandy at yogacreativeonline.com, one word. Okay. Thanks again for joining us and uh, a great day to you, a great Wednesday. And I mean, as you say, there's a linkage, an interlinkage in, t- in terms of the different spiritual practices, no matter where it's from the world it originates. So thanks for enlightening us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. All right. Mandy Wu is psychologist, lecturer and uh, yoga instructor. A lot of responses have come in terms of our poll question. I don't think we'll even get through all of them. So let me just thank all of you and appreciate all of you and just apologize for those that we don't uh, get to read on air or play on air in terms of voice notes. Just on uh, Twitter, Tsepo Rasilaya saying, yes, I think the administrators should also be arrested because they are the ones who caused this saga. This saga is the Walter Sasulu University students, Wongile Mani Debekel, which uh, the court found her guilty of a charge of theft after she spent 800,000 rand from the 14 million rand, which was mistakenly uh, dis, uh, uh, deposited into her account from the National Student Financial Aid Scheme. So do you think that the administrators of the fund should also be prosecuted for this mistake was the question. Amazing Grace on Twitter saying also, this young lady didn't steal the money. It was deposited into her account. The ANC thieves and thugs who stole taxpayers' money are not prosecuted. Why? Example, uh, Zwerini Mkize, Oscar Mabuyane, and why there's no prosecution, the NPA or Hawks must answer there. And thanks, Amazing Grace. And then Lamini Mlangeni on Twitter also saying, yes, they must be held accountable, but prosecuted, question mark there. Uh, I guess you are responding. There's quite a, 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 a trail of messages there, uh, back and forth going on between our family members on SFM on Twitter. Uh, so that's quite a long conversation going on. I won't start there, but I think it started with saying, uh, unfortunately, money, and this is Lamini also saying this, unfortunately, money, upon realizing that she had millions credited to her, took the wrong decisions. That's why she's here today. The officials didn't benefit from that deposit. She did.